you do a thing with a thing called a saxaboom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a toy or what? Well, was it's it? like a saxophone, but it's a saxaboom. It's a it's a different kind of instrument. A lot of people confuse them, but um, saxaboom is. <laughs> people a, confuse them. Well, you know, because they look similar, but a saxaboom is its own kind of instrument that takes years to master. Welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy Saxophone Shepherd, and this is Mitchell Manley Sexual Healing. <laughs> How about M- Mitchell Manley Asexual? Oh, but you're not asexual, right? I'm. I'm. Uh, I don't know. I'm not completely asexual. You're right. I do like some sex. You dabble I in I dabble asexuality. In yeah, I dabble in. <laughs> I'm trying to explore my asexuality. <laughs> um, this kind of like came directly from, I think, last week's episode. I can't remember which song uh, we were discussing, which may or may not have had gratuitous saxophone. But I think that that is a common theme when a sax is introduced is um, if it is uh, too saxophony, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very easy to uh, annoy me. To death with the saxophone it's just such a very self-indulgent instrument and i don't know it just seems like it's always a bit too much for me and like i like it when it's tasteful it's a cool sound <laughs> when it's blend when it blends in but whenever you make the saxophone the sole star of the show and they're just doing that like erratic jazzy soloing as opposed to like something epic and melodic sounding i don't know it just gets on my nerves sometimes so what did the saxophone ever do to you? Man, it was a tough it was a tough time in band as a sixth to eighth grader. Um, oh, which some, school did you go to again? I went to Tigret Middle School in Jackson, Tennessee. Okay, because the cutest boy in my middle school played saxophone, so maybe that's why I was like mm, fond of I it. See. His name was Brian. He Aww. played saxophone. Yeah, but I then a, I dated I a, a tuba player. You had a cr- <laughs> yes, you did, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> yep. I had a crush on the girl that played the oboe. Because I was like, okay, well, she she's cooler than the clarinet and the flute girls. She likes to play oboe, and she's the only oboe player in middle school. So, Yeah, I think there's job. only ever one oboe player in whichever, right. like, middle or high school. There's always only one oboe player. And we had a really cool oboe player. Sort of jealous. It's those two reads, man. It's those two reads. Yeah. Um, so, because, you know, we need your judgment on the use of saxophone. <laughs> Uh, what is your choice this week? All right, so I'm going to start us off with a classic, Hall & Oates, and their song, Maneater. Oh, here she comes. Watch out, boy. She'll chew you up. Oh, here she comes. She's a maneater.
So yeah, I'm not I'm not treading any unknown territory with my pick this week, but I think I'm bringing some uh, bringing to light uh, to a part of the song that that most folks probably overlook, which is a damn near perfect saxophone solo. Uh, you can listen to the rest of the song, and it starts with kind of a tasteful sax line, and has some occasional like saxophone ad ad libbing to bring some spirit and some atmosphere. Uh, but for the most part, it's very sparse, very textural throughout, and the sax has lots of reverb and a little delay on it, so it's a little more interesting sounding than just your standard wailing saxophone for that reason as well. Uh, but the sax solo about halfway through, uh, it's it's long been sort of a hallmark for what good saxophone is, especially in 80s songs where saxophones show up a lot. Uh, the reverb makes it really stark and dramatic, and using a delay effect, they create this really neat and subtle call-and-response lead line uh, that gives the song this much-needed instrumental break, but without breaking the sort of quiet, dark, and foreboding atmosphere that they've built for the song. Uh, so the sax does this little short run, and then the delay repeats a little quieter, and then uh, you know a little more distance, and then another sax line, and another quiet, distant reply. And they do a handful of those with the sax just getting a little more complicated and emotive each time. Never strays too far outside of the little space that they've built for the saxophone. So it's super tasteful, makes creative use of effects, so that even in the sax solo, it's tempered with something like thoughtful and intentional rather than just like unmitigated saxophone egotism. <laughs> it does seem like it's an egotistical instrument in a way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, have you ever heard of Colonotes? Oh, definitely. Okay, so Colonotes, it's also still available. I did double check. I did call in. It's a uh, seven one nine two six oats, and uh, this is selection number three for your uh -huh. emergency needs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in yep. case of fire, in case of fire, break break the glass and and pull out man eater. Exactly. Um, it is unfortunate that I believed Hall and Oates to be a cheesy country music until I met, <laughs> met my husband. Oh, man. I don't know why. Um, so, like, oddly enough, like, he is the go-to Hall and Oates lover that oh, I know. Right. I know. They really are. Um, they're pop masterminds. Uh, this solo is kind of isolated, I guess, from all the other friends, but it helps them shine. Uh, if I were a betting woman, this is four on the floor, isn't it? Um, this one doesn't have quite the same four on the floor. It's a, a slightly different kind of driving beat, but we'll get to some four on the floor here soon. <laughs> Wait, is this at least in four? Uh, yes, that, that much is true. It is yeah. in four. Well, maybe I was counting the four and I thought that was four on the floor. Um, also, if people can just like war warble woman is wild when I enter a room, that, that is would my be... my favorite part of this song, by the way. You're just like, woman is wild, woo! I know. I want that like to happen every single time I like enter a room. Maybe I like need like a little button to push because yeah, definitely, you know, sometimes you got to build that self confidence. I'll start for doing it. Uh, you know, if I see you across the way in public, I'll just the woman is wild. Woo! <laughs> Wait, have we ever? I mean, we haven't seen each other in like I don't even know how long, Mitchell. How long's it been? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been several months since we've seen each other in the same spot. Yeah, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, sorry. Woman as well. Woo! Okay. <laughs> um, so I, um, I'm very bad at telling uh, saxophone, like, if it's gratuitous or not, because I just think it's great, probably anywhere. Um, I brought Lady Kaga's Edge of Glory.
Look, I just, I think I just dig saxophones in any mix in any form. And I had solidly, solidly forgotten that the song had a solo in it. And I had never seen the music video to this, which is like this weird 80s, like hanging out on Sesame Street on a foggy evening thing, but dancing. And I, I, I don't know, it's like super victorious exultant song with a pretty dang awesome solo that is just fun. And I hope that the guy is actually like not just a set musician. Like I hope he he got like a mention or something at the end. I'm not sure. It's just it's kind of like the Hall of Notes and it's like got like little island like it's where it's supposed to be, I guess, but still like shows up elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm actually a big fan of Lady Gaga, you know, when it comes to like powerful pop music, no one does it better than she does. Uh, her songs can be really bubblegummy or they can feel really dark and taboo or, you know, they can be epic and triumphant like this one. And no matter what sound she goes for, there's always an extra level of depth and gravity to her songs, uh, even at their poppiest. Uh, unlike any of those like 90s and 2000s divas that were constantly compared to Madonna, Lady Gaga is probably the closest approximation to the real power and influence that Madonna had. Uh, there's just something genuine and next level to her music, and she's always pushing the envelope in these subtle and interesting ways. Uh, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find Britney or Christina with a saxophone solo at the climax of their song. You know, uh, I think their producers would probably never let them give up the spotlight for an antiquated instrument and in what's meant to be a hit single. You know, and so yet. Lady Gaga knows that she can push that dancey disco beat. This one definitely has the four on the floor thing. Uh, and her vocal theatrics go to the max through the first half of the song. Um, and, you know, so that way she uses something classic in the end and kind of grounding to bring it to this soaring climax at the end. It's definitely perfect, tasteful use of the saxophone. Lady Gaga can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> I'm sure, like, we can find something she she does wrong. I'm, I'm sure but... you could, but... <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I love Lady Gaga, and, you know, she gets kind of uh, railed on for, for being this weirdo pop songstress, but, I mean, she writes her songs, and she's incredible, and she's just doing something a little deeper and a little bit more moving than I think other pop stars are. Yeah, and she actually writes a lot of songs for other people, too. She's kind of mm -hmm. like Sia in that way that she, like, writes songs for other people and then makes her songs, too. And I, there's, like, a lot of... um. She makes a lot of artistic choices that are based kind of in art history and music history that are, like, really, really interesting. Like, really smart. I don't care if she has a meat dress. She's She does this, like, crazy intellectual stuff that I think a lot of people don't get. Um, our ear buddies, shockingly, I found it difficult to pick a song. Um, they had them, all their songs on the tips of their tongues. Shocking. Like, I, I guess there's a catalog everybody has of sax. <laughs> Um, our first is the one and only Hillary Livingston Butler, and she brought Carly, Carly Rae Jepsen run away with me.
I just love the fact that I have to say Hillary's whole name whenever I bring, like bring her up, but also like Carly Rae Jepsen too. So three names. Uh -huh. Yeah, they both have three names. Yep. Um, it's it just comes in hard on the sax from like the get go, and I, like she makes some of the most pop music like just so solid, just solid pop music, and I don't know. Everybody's got to think about Call Me Maybe, and I I think that's the only song I thought about until I had Bobby Pape on the show like a long long time ago and he knows all the magical girl pop and her catalog is magical like doesn't just listening to her make you freaking smile it's always so poppy and euphoric and it's joyful and fun making and Canada has never made a more perfect musician I'm gonna say that nope I may disagree with that last line Can't, a lot of nope. good stuff has come out of Canada but <laughs> It does really suck that Carly Rae Jepsen gets kind of pigeonholed because of the Call Me Maybe song because her other work, while it's certainly more like radio club pop music, uh, it's really top-notch stuff within that particular niche of music. Uh, the whole album, Emotion, uh, incredibly catchy, well-produced, got that carefree, dancey tunes in the vein of Call Me Maybe, but there's also some like really dense and emotional tracks as well. Uh, as for the saxophone on this one, I think it's a pretty ideal use. Uh, they use it up top to draw you in and elicit a certain like reminiscent sort of nostalgic space. Uh, but it disappears during the verses and reemerges very lightly in the mix during the chorus. So you get that thick kind of undercurrent of long sax notes, but it doesn't stick out in the mix. It blends really beautifully uh, all the way until the choruses at the end of the song where they turn back up to the kind of to kind of bookend the energy at the end of the song to match that wistful sax at the beginning. It's a very clever use of saxophone, so uh, Carly Rae Jepsen definitely gets a pass on this one. Who are you trying to say is better than Carly Rae Jepsen? I mean, Alanis Morissette is from Canada. Um, <sighs> she's kind of legendary. I, but she doesn't have, like, pop music. I mean, like, not in the same way that Carly Rae Jepsen does, but... I mean, Still you definitely want to murder a boyfriend to Alanis Morissette. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Kayla is our next year buddy, and she brought Katy Perry's Last Friday Night TGIF. says normally with the prompts i immediately think of the song i want to submit i had to actually search for this one because most of the music i listen to with saxophones in it are part of a horn ensemble as they should be where you can barely tell if there's actually one or not yeah i think that's probably a good a good summation i think kayla might be harder on the saxophone than you are mitchell i don't know maybe i'm, I'm just being polite because i'm hosting a podcast and <laughs> I, you know i want to come off as genial but <laughs> You know. Yeah, okay. 
Um, I want to know if this is really Kenny G on the track. I don't uh, know. I looked it up, and it's not, actually. We'll get into it. <gasps> ah. So, this song is it's straight up about being young and, like, not getting hangovers. Obvs, because if you take shots and want to do it again, like, the next Friday, you have, you have to be young. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> like, I don't even remember when I did a shot last, like, possibly my early 20s. But I know the last time I did shots, I heavily regretted it actually i think it was like someday in november in 2016 that's the <laughs> last time i did shots <laughs> yeah um wow it's been a while since i've done shots too but yeah, i know i think that's something we like get rid of like somewhere in our late 20s because we realize it's never a good idea yeah for sure uh listening to Katy perry on the other hand great idea <laughs> Uh, and I'm I'm an unabashed Katy Perry fan, and I always defend her against the haters. Uh, I do have to admit that this one isn't exactly my favorite. I think the lyrics might just be a little too on the nose, and the music's a bit too recycled sounding. It just feels kind of like album filler as as opposed to a real party jam. However, uh, despite that, I have to give props where props are due for what for what this is. It's a it's a simple dance party track, and the energy builds a little bit over the course of the song. But for the most part, it stays at about a six or a seven on the party meter. But about three and a half minutes in of of build and repetition, right when you think you're you're getting that fade out, a soaring sax solo drops in and explodes the the energy into this triumphant ending. And and notice that the sax is nowhere to be found through the song. <laughs> And I'd almost suggest that the whole song has sort of an empty space in the mix that you can barely notice as that energy's building up. But then that that blast of cathartic saxophone at the end fills that void and, and brings this massive catharsis. Um, in the music video, she has Kenny G playing the solo, which is an incredible cameo in a music video full of cameos. Uh, but on the album version, the sax player is a guy named Lenny Pickett, uh, who was a pop. He was in a popular 70s band called Tower of Power, and he's also the musical director for Saturday Night Live Band. So, uh, yeah, the sax in the song, it's not annoying and out of place like a lot of saxophone often is. It doesn't hang around poking its head in where it doesn't belong, waiting for its part to come, you know. Our sax man just kind of inconspicuously smokes a J outside while, while everyone inside gets hype, and then he just kicks down the door and flies in with full power for this, uh, you know, huge finale at the end, so... Excellent, excellent choice of saxophonists for for the song and video. Perfect use of sax here, in my opinion. Now, Kenny G, do you think that he is too gratuitously sax? Here's the thing. If you're putting on a Kenny G record, you want to hear unadulterated <laughs> saxophone. And okay. if that's what you want to do, this is America, and I'm not going to stop you. You have a right <laughs> to listen to Kenny G if you want to listen to Kenny G. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually, like, certain Kenny G songs I think are really good, but certainly it can get pretty gratuitous. Okay. I mean, but again, you know, the, the thing is, if you're listening to Kenny G, you're going in with the intention of listening to saxophone, so it can't necessarily be gratuitous if that's what you're going in for, you know? Like, that's the choice you chose to make. Right, yeah, so it works. Okay. Um, Russ, he brings us Tim Capello's I Still Believe.
only thing I remember about the last uh, the Lost Boys which I saw for the first time like two years ago is that it's a saxophone solo with vampire drama happening around it yeah it's pretty uh, yeah and it's like um damn the saxophone player the uh, saxophone the saxophone player uh, the saxophone player is like super confident and the song is like a kind of baller I, I would have made an 80s film around it yeah definitely so um, you know, I'll probably draw some some incredulous hate mail for this, but I've actually never seen Lost Boys. It's and, worth watching. Yeah, and and I know it's about vampires, and I know it had Keith Sutherland and the Corys, Heyman Feldman, and I know that there's like a sexy shirtless sax man, and you know, sexy shirtless sax man is a guy named Tim Capello, and in fact, Tim Capello played the high tone mere days before the COVID shutdowns. Uh, so he's still out there riding that 15 minutes of Lost Boys fame. And honestly, more power to him. That's pretty awesome. Uh, this is certainly a bit more uh, superfluous of a saxophone than I would normally cotton to. But, you know, we're talking mid to late 80s when sultry saxophone music was at its peak. And it sort of represented a musical shortcut to, like, sensuality and eroticism. And uh, since director Joel Schumacher wanted his vampires to be sensual and erotic, saxophone was the easiest and most economical way to make that happen, I think. Uh, and of course, it's just icing on the cake that this particular sax song was written and performed by a, a sweaty, shirtless muscle man. So, so putting Capello in the actual movie to highlight that sex appeal kind of smacks of brilliance. I think. I think Dakota described this guy as the um, a, a saxophone bodybuilder. Yeah, <laughs> something. He, he looks like a beefy David Lee Roth, but he plays saxophone. <laughs> yeah, like all I remember about that movie literally is like the saxophone solo that's all i can remember it's kind of crazy um debbie brings us haircut 100's love plus one says when i think of saxophone this is one of the first that comes to mind also it's one of my all-time favorite songs um this is very interesting there's kind of a lot going on there's like a xylophone thing and like the guitar riffing thing and actually that might be marimba's but i'm not sure yeah, but it sounds marimba. like wooden it's like xylophone is metal marimba is wood right correct okay and they're all kind of set up like a keyboard mm -hmm. um it's just, I don't know. I've, I've never heard of something like it. And I, I just feel like there's a lot to digest here. And it's not just the saxophone. Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of uh, what makes this one really good. And 
And of all the songs that we have this week, this one's probably the closest example to the sort of sax playing that may otherwise rub me the wrong way. You know, the playing is a bit busier. It's a bit more like flourish and, and almost any other song, it would probably feel like it's trying to steal the show. But the writing and the production of this song just give you so much more complexity in the mix that the sax gets to play around a little bit more and get a little bit more ambitious without being distracting. Uh, the bass is super high and tight in the mix, so that rhythm section just powers forward. Uh, and the marimba and the strings and the other little textural instruments, they blend in with the sax to make this cohesive atmosphere to the sound rather than instruments coming and going just to make room for the saxophone. Uh, and you know the sax is always just there chilling in the mix bringing a little bit of soul but instead of stealing the show it's more of a prominent element of a greater whole so i think that ability to like play well with the other instruments in the mix goes a long way to make this an excellent song tasteful use of the saxophone this saxophone got like high marks for playing well with others in kindergarten right exactly you know it, which it i knows feel like it's not yeah i feel like that's not most saxophone players agreed <laughs> They're normally, well, I mean, we've had at least one prominent um, world leader be a saxophone player, and I would not say that he is subtle in any manner Certainly. whatsoever. So I guess that kind of leads, you know, I guess that's, I guess, you know, there's a lot of uh, tropes in who plays what musical instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say like uh, goofy white girls tend to play flute and they're a little too into their instrument. And then, uh, was it drummers are kind of like the, the ones that beat on stuff all the time Yeah, very and get made fun of. Yeah. yeah. And the bass players are always mad because there's not like more bass. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving forward. Um, we have a double suggestion. Uh, this is brought to us from Bobby P and Joshua T who's suggested Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. Joshua says, and we would be remiss to not acknowledge this classic, and Bobby says, I realize Baker Street is already on this thread, but it is also the most right answer and should be treated as such. This is required listening to know what a saxophone is. Honestly, when, like, the first roll into the sax happens, like, you know what you're in for, and it is lush and sexy and smoky and just amazing, and the singing is completely unnecessary whatsoever to the rest of the song. It should just be saxophone. Yeah, I mean, you're not too far off on that one. Uh, for a long time, this was probably the most iconic saxophone lead of all time. Uh, I know I definitely heard it a ton as a kid. I'm sure other folks just a little older than me and up would know who Jerry Rafferty is. But for my generation, uh, this is a saxophone line that everybody's heard a million times, but they probably have no idea what the song is or who it's by. Um, and so I, th- I think what makes 
uh, this such a perfect and iconic sax line is that it's not busy. It's just like, you know, it's it's not like uh, it's not busy. It's not the bombastic rock soloing. It's not erratic jazz soloing. It's meant to be an epic, memorable hook. And, and that's exactly what it does. It's not, look how good I am at the saxophone. <laughs> you know, it's it's you're going to be humming this melody in your head for the next week. And supposedly it was such a catchy hook that, that uh, you know, in real life it, it led to a real surge of saxophone sales and apparently saxophones started showing up more in advertisements and television after this became a thing. So uh, I think it's an excellent testament to the power of the saxophone as a lead instrument, but without needing to lean into those theatrics and overplaying. It's just like an epic hook, and that's all it needs to be. And that's, you know, I, I agree that the, the vocals are probably superfluous, but I think yeah. that in in between time where things drop out and it's sort of chill and not epic for, you know, a minute and a half, and then that saxophone comes back in and, and kicks you in the pants. You know, I think you, you need to have that independent time in between to separate the epic sax lines. But I agree that Jay Rafferty's vocals probably give or take. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, I wonder if Jerry Rafferty was like, man... I shouldn't have put the saxophone on here. No, I think the saxophone was totally necessary. Uh, hopefully, it he saved the song. It. I, I think it's probably <laughs> the only reason why anybody in my age range knows who the fuck Jerry Rafferty is. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, Craig is our final ear buddy. He brought George Michael's "Careless Whisper." And he says, every damn one of you should be ashamed. Um, okay. One of the saddest songs ever written. And, like, of course, it's iconic freaking sax. And, yes, Craig, I am ashamed. This wasn't my pick. I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone involved. (laughs) Yeah, it's only natural that this one should end the Ear Buddies section this week since this line has become a sort of epic meme for millennials like us. Uh, the song originally came out in 1984 and was probably directly influenced by that Jerry Rafferty song we just heard, uh, you know, in as far as like pop music, having epic sax hooks. Uh, but my first encounter with this was probably 2012 or 2013. Uh, there were some videos circulating of this guy, Sergio Flores, who went by Sexy Sax Man. <laughs> And he had this long black mullet, and he was usually shirtless with leather pants, or he'd be wearing a leather vest with nothing underneath. And he would just, like, bust into grocery stores or the mall or, like, a college classroom and just be like, does someone order a saxogram? And then he'd just, like, gyrate around and endlessly belt this riff on the saxophone until someone, like, physically removed him from the area. <laughs> uh, 
And the best part to me would be his friend and cameraman would like intervene and the and dude would stop playing sax for a second and there'd be like a few minutes of his friend just be like, come on, man, this guy's a saxophone superstar. You know, he's classically trained. He's doing a service to his community by sharing his gift. Just listen to how beautiful Sergio. Uh, have you played the other one? Play, play the other one. Hey, guys, have you heard this one? And then you just go right back into playing. It's just like killed me every time it's so fucking funny and he's just like <laughs> gyrating and, and belting the careless whisper riff and just more hilarity would ensue and so through that i discovered this long lost george michael song and it's an amazing song in its own right but i feel like sexy sax man has given me a deeper connection to this song than i ever would have formed with george michael alone this explains why like all of these videos kept showing up when I was looking for a sax song this week. Right. I was like, who's Sergio Flores? And I never clicked on one. And obviously I should have. Oh man, I can't believe you've never <laughs> seen any of those videos. It's so good. <laughs> I think this is just, you know, I'm I'm really busy watching like commentary videos on Troom Trooms and uh roller skate videos and stuff like that so obviously i should probably search more sexy sax man stuff um so yes if you want to send us gifs of like the saxa boom that uh jack black plays uh you can tweet at us i'm at pow i gotcha and i'm at madam wallite and the show is at end pod um speaking of which have you seen jack black play the saxa boom i've not Ah, oh, that's what that's what you should do like immediately after this. Okay. Um, it's amazing. Uh the Facebook group is Earbuds and Earworms Podcast Group and the voicemail line is 731-400 B U D S or 731-400-2837. You can email the show endpod at gmail.com and you can figure out which like I, I, let's just admit it's gonna be um Tim Capello. Is going to be the uh, show picture this week. It's just going <laughs> to happen. Yeah, it's going to be on endpod.com, part of the 10710 network. What's our final song? I'm going to leave us with a band called Tweak Bird and their song, A Sun. Uh, I've brought Tweak Bird a couple times before. They're two brothers from somewhere in California. Uh, definitely a prime example of what I call sunshine sludge. It's like really heavy, sludgy sounding guitars, cavernous drums, but it's super melody driven. Uh, this song kind of trots along at a mid-tempo, but it kicks up some dirt for a bit in the middle, and then as that dust settles on the slightly heavier bits, it fades into this sort of transcendent chant of ahs, and uh, along with like this really entrancing saxophone crooning along. So just a super fun song, got some hypnotic saxophones done right. So enjoy Tweak Bird and their song, A Sun.
What I wouldn't give to hear Lisa play another one of her jazzy tunes. Saxophone, saxophone. <laughs>